Word of God confronts you and the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, right then and there, you've got to turn from your sin. Revival will always produce true repentance. Revival will not just have an emotional response, but a response of repentance, a striving for holiness, a changed life. Join us this week from the pulpit of Moreland First Baptist Church as Eric brings a message from Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Revival and repentance. There are times in the Bible when people sang. There are times in the Bible when people danced. Uh, there are times when people were overwhelmed. There are times when lives were quickly changed. But without exception, when revival happened in Scripture, there was always, always repentance. That's something that would happen every single time in Scripture when there was a, a, an outpouring of God's Spirit or uh, a revival kind of thing or, or a lot of people being saved. There was always repentance in fact, just like with what John read earlier, the first words of Jesus as an adult in his ministry that we have recorded were these words. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. There's never been a true revival without true repentance. Uh, revival isn't something that you can schedule um, it's not something that a church does for a week in the spring and then and then we'll have another revival in in the fall. Uh, revival isn't something where you can hire an evangelist to come in and preach for us this week or that week. Uh, revival isn't something that can be produced, something that can't be manufactured, but revival is something that's always accompanied by repentance. That's one thing that we can know. And as we look at one of the greatest revivals in history here in Jonah chapter 3, um, nearly the whole nation, or at least the whole city here of Nineveh, uh, turns to God. And uh, you'll see quite plainly that the common factor through all of this, in addition to the Word of God, is that there is repentance. So repentance, in, in general terms, is turning from something. It's moving in one direction, and you stop, and you turn around and go the opposite direction. It's a military term. It's an about-face that someone makes. But there are three different variations of repentance. Repentance looks one way when a believer repents. It looks another way when an unbeliever repents. And it looks quite another way when God repents. Now hang on to that for just a few moments. Let's look first today and see what repentance looks like for the believer. What does repentance look like for the believer? Jonah was a believer. He believed in God. He he dabbled in preaching, and uh, if somebody asked him about his faith, he would tell you who he believed in. He believed in the God who made the sea and the dry land. Uh, but Jonah wasn't wasn't very obedient, was he? Uh, if you remember back to chapter 1, God told him, said the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatti, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. Three things. Get up, go, preach, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, here's what he did instead. He arose up 
uh, rose up to flee to Tarshish in, from the presence of the Lord. So he, God told him to get up. He got up, but he went the complete opposite direction. So that's the pattern that we see with Jonah. God's word came to Jonah. He's told to arise and go. Uh, and then Jonah arises and he goes, uh, but not where God told him to. And now after he's been through a terrible storm, he's been thrown into the sea, he's been swallowed by uh, a big fish, a whale, and then vomited back up onto uh, dry land. He's he's a little more ready to listen at this point uh, in his life, but but you would be, wouldn't you, after, after all that happened to you. Uh, listen in our text today, what happens beginning in verse 1. So chapter 3, verse 1 really reflects what we saw in chapter 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. And look at what's different this time in verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And I'll stop right there in the middle of the verse. So God's word came to Jonah he was told to arise and go. Uh, but this time Jonah arose and he went exactly where God told him to do. Jonah didn't just believe in God at this point. He is now doing what God tells him to do. He's now seeking to be obedient. Uh, reminds me of James chapter 1, verse 22 that says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Don't just hear the word of God but do the word of God. Now, that's the problem with people like us, isn't it? Believers. Uh, we hear God's word quite a bit. We come to church. We hear the sermon. We hear the Sunday school lesson. We read the Bible during the week. We'll hear uh, a preacher preach on TV. We'll listen to a podcast of a preacher preaching or something like that. But just between us, we don't always do what God tells us to do, do we? Now, we know we, we've heard it, but we don't always do it. Now, that's as, as true for me as it is for any one of you, I'm sure. I'm sure we've all experienced this at some point in our lives, one way or the other, but it, it may be a different thing for each of us, a different area of obedience for each of us. I don't have to go through a list of things that it, that it could be. If you're a believer... Uh, when I mentioned the word obedience or disobedience, you probably had a few things pop into your mind of some things that you've struggled with or things that you know you should have done and haven't got around to it just yet. Friend, we've, we've got to obey. There's confusion sometimes about repentance. Sometimes people think that repentance is something that happens one time when the unbeliever repents and trusts in Jesus Christ. And it is that, but it's not only that. Listen, repentance is something that we have to walk in daily. That's something that we have to do day by day. We have to live in repentance if we're truly following Jesus. So day by day as we grow in him, uh, we see him for more of who he is, and that reveals us for who we truly are and our sinfulness and the ways that we fall short and the ways that we're not Christ-like. And we have to repent of that day by day. That's why it's our job as 
a church to preach repentance, to uh, to keep up with things like the, the church role, membership role. So people haven't been members for 20 years, but we've not seen them in 18 years. And uh, just because they did something one time, well, no, that's not how it is. We're either walking with Christ daily or we're not truly walking with him. But disobedience is something that happens far too often for the believer. So take Peter, for example. Peter, in Luke chapter 22, let me just read uh, the instance of what happened. This was uh, around the time of the crucifixion of Jesus, and Jesus was being arrested and taken away, things like that. It says, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But you know what Peter did? It says, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I, I don't know him. I don't know Jesus. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another persisted or insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And you could imagine, it says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He didn't just weep, though, did he? He didn't just say, oh, man, I, I got caught. No, Peter repented. And after that, he lived for Christ about as well as any of us could. And he did so to the point of death, even giving his life uh, before turning away and denying Jesus another time. Peter turned from that. And with Jonah here, some people question as they read chapter 3, you know, is he half-hearted? Is he just kind of going through the motions? Well, the Bible doesn't say, so we would only be taking a guess. All we have to go by is what Jonah actually did. And what he did was he obeyed God. And if you look at the end of verse 3, in that second part of verse 3, it says, Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Verse 4, Then Jonah began to go through the city, one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. So here's what repentance looks like for the believer. If you're here today and you call yourself a believer, you say you're trusting in Jesus, the one who's a believer hears God's word, and he or she obeys God's word. That's that's what happens. And if there are areas in your life where you've not been obeying, you realize that, and you confess that to God and turn from it, and then you start to obey. It's not okay to say, I know here's what God expects of me. I know I'm not doing it, but I don't have any intention of doing it anytime soon. No, if we hear God's word and we understand there's there there are areas in which we're not obeying, let's turn from that and let's begin to obey. 
But we see a second kind of repentance in our passage today. We've seen what it looks like for the believer. Now let's look at what repentance looks like for the unbeliever. So let's just read God's word here to kind of listen and see how the unbelieving people of Nineveh uh, responded to the preaching of God's word. I want to begin in verse 5 and read verses 5 through 9. And just listen to what happens after Jonah preaches. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast, put on sackcloth. Who did it? From the greatest to the least of them. Verse 6, when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. And then after that, verse 7 um, the king issued a proclamation. It says, he issued a proclamation and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. Now, being a preacher myself, I'm amazed at how God uses different preachers in different ways to accomplish different things. Um, I think about when Noah preached, and literally no one in the world listened, did they? I mean, he ended up with eight people on the ark, and they were all family, and they might have just been there because they were family. I mean, who, who knows? They were they were there. Uh, literally, no one else in the world listened to it. I think about Jeremiah, and Jeremiah preached and preached and preached and warned people and warned people and warned people for 40 years and apparently only had two converts. Uh, one was his scribe, and the other was a eunuch that uh, that he had contact with. So for 40 years, uh, two people turned to the Lord after his preaching. And then you have guys like Jonah who come along, and they don't want to preach in the first place, and they get up and they preach a lousy sermon that they didn't put any thought into and say, yet 40 days and then it will be overthrown. And that's all they say. And then the whole nation repents. Right, everybody turns from their sin, starts trusting uh, in in God. There from from this, uh, it's not the preacher, is it? It's what God wants to do through the preacher. Uh, Nineveh was a wicked nation, known for their violence, known for their paganism, and Jonah proclaims that God's judgment is coming, and they repent immediately, don't they? If you look in verse five. It says that the people of Nineveh believed in God. So so that's one side of the coin, if you want to look at it like that. That's one side of the coin of conversion. You have faith or belief, and you have uh, repentance. Faith is always coupled with repentance. Repentance is always coupled with faith. You can't have one without the other. Uh, just like on a coin, you can't have heads without tails. It's impossible if you have one side to, to not have the other there. Uh, you can't turn from one thing without turning to something else. You can't turn away from the left without going 
uh, to the right. In the same way, when an unbeliever truly believes in God, if you're truly believing, you're also repenting at the same time. So here they believed in God, and at the same time, they called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth, terribly uncomfortable uh, clothing that they would put on, that uh, no luxury to it whatsoever, and, and all of them did this. They gave evidence that they were sorry uh, for their sin, and they planned to turn from it. Well, the word finally reached the king, and when word got to the king, he arose from his throne, he took off his robes, and he covered himself with sackcloth and sat on ashes. So here the king of Nineveh, which was the king of Assyria, uh, Assyria was the country, Nineveh was, was the city, he was the king there. Uh, he repented openly uh, for himself and for the nation that he was in charge of leading. Now how... How wonderful would it be if leaders in this world would do the same? How wonderful would it be if, if our president would do the same thing? Instead of celebrating sin like he does, um, how different things might be if he took off his presidential suit and he sat in the sackcloth. But you know what? Uh, politics always flows downhill from the people. So our people in America celebrate sin, so therefore we elect leaders who celebrate sin. But if you notice here in Nineveh what happened, the same kind of thing, it flows from the people. The people repented first, and that flowed to the throne, didn't it? Uh, by the time the king had called for a national fast, uh, and for everyone and every animal uh, to, to be part of it, well, the people were already one step ahead of him. They were already doing that. Nobody had to tell them to do it. They were already convicted of their sins and wanting to turn from it. And you see, that's the thing about repentance. You don't have to sit around and wait for somebody to tell you to turn from your sin. If you hear God's word and God convicts you of your sin and the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart and you know what needs to be done, and you're, you're moved by it, listen, you, you turn from sin right there. You don't have to wait on mom and dad or the governor or the president to tell you that it's a good idea. No, when the Word of God confronts you and the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, right then and there, you've got to turn from your sin. But as this king makes this proclamation, he says in verse 8 this, he says, let me call on God earnestly uh, that, that each may turn from his wicked way, from the violence which is in his hands. And you notice in verse 9, he says, uh, who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. He didn't know what was going to happen. All he knew was that God's burning anger toward his sin and toward the people that he led was justified. He knew that they deserved to perish. But after hearing God's word, the king says, let's do this. Let's call on God. Let's repent. And let's hope he doesn't judge us. And that brings us today to our last point 
We've seen what it looks like for a believer to repent daily as we walk with Christ. We've seen what it looks like for an unbeliever to repent. You hear God's word. You're convicted of your sin. You turn from that. And now we see finally today what repentance looks like for God. What does repentance look like for God? Look in verse 10 and see what it says here. Verse 10 says, When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So now, did you notice there where it said God relented? Some Bible translations, um, I have the New American Standard here, uh, it says relented. Other translations will say relented. Um, other, uh, such as the New Living Translation, it says there that he changed his mind. Um, other translations emphasize God having mercy or pity there. Uh, but if you have the old King James uh, version, the old King James Bible with you today, you'll likely notice that the word there is repent. That's how the King James translates it. Uh, God repented of the evil is what it says specifically. And uh, the King James isn't alone in using this uh, translation. And then on, on top of that, the King James uses that word repent a lot of other times in Scripture. Listen to just a few other verses where that phrase is used. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, And it repented the Lord, that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Uh, Jeremiah 18.8, If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Ezekiel 24.14, I, the Lord, have spoken it. It shall come to pass, and I will do it. I will not go back, neither will I spare, neither will I repent. According to thy ways and according to thy doings, shall they judge thee, saith the Lord God. And then Zechariah 8.14 says this, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, as I thought to punish you, when your fathers provoked me to wrath, saith the Lord of hosts, and I repented not. Now, some of you may be saying right here, wait, wait just a second. What are we talking about? that God repents of of anything. I thought God was sinless. How can God repent of anything? How does that even apply to him? That, that's a great question. I hope you were thinking uh, that way as we were talking about that and reading through that. But here's what we need to understand. When we talk about us repenting, we're talking about us turning away from the sin that we're committing. But when we talk about God repenting, we're talking about him turning away from the judgment that he was going to execute on you for the sin that you were committing. You see the difference in both cases both we and God are turning away from something, and they both have to do with sin, 
But the difference is that we repent from committing the sin. God repents from judging the sin. Now, don't get the two confused. Don't just look at this on the surface and determine that, well, number one, either God has sinned and he needs to turn from sin or somehow, number two, somehow the Bible's messed up and it's put something in here and uh, didn't mean to or it's contradictory with itself. No, neither of those are true. When the Bible talks about you repenting of sin, it's talking about you turning from the sin that you are committing. When the Bible talks about God repenting, it's meaning him turning away from judging that sin that you were committing. It's, it's as simple as that. You see, here's, here's how it happens. When you turn from your sin, you repent from it. Uh, God then repents, or he turns away from bringing judgment on you for your sin. Understand, God doesn't just sweep it under the rug, or he doesn't just forget about it and say, oh, you know what, it wasn't that bad anyway. Not going to worry with it. No, judgment still has to happen. Because God is a just God, and God is a holy God, and he'll always rightfully and fairly and justly punish sin. But when God turns away from bringing judgment on you, it's only because he's already turned to his son, Jesus Christ, and placed that judgment that you deserve on him. Jesus takes the judgment that you and I deserve. Judgment for sin is always going to happen one way or the other. But the question is this, will you get God's judgment? Or has Jesus taken God's judgment for you? God's judgment is always going to happen. Unbeliever, if you are not a believer today, please listen to me. God will judge your sin. It is coming. The wrath of God is hanging over your head like a, a, a guillotine with a sharp razor blade that's about to come down uh, on you quickly without mercy. And at any moment that you die apart from forgiveness, at any moment that you die apart from the mercy of God, you've never trusted in G Jesus, that judgment will come down on you quickly and without mercy. Judgment is coming, and it's coming quickly. Now, as we bring this to a close, we've got to consider something here. Nineveh's national repentance here, it didn't last forever. Jonah preached sometime in the 700s B.C., maybe sometime around 785 B.C., and he preached to Nineveh, and Nineveh repented. Well, if you fast forward 150, 160 years or so, give or take some time, in the year 612 B.C., there's the Battle of Nineveh when Babylon came in and they overthrew the Assyrian capital, and Nineveh was no more. 
you got to think about that. One generation repented, and God turned away from judging them. 150 or so years later, that generation perished. Here's what you need to know. The previous generation can't repent for your generation. Your mom and dad can't repent for you. Your dear sweet grandma can't repent for you. Your Bible-believing papa can't repent for you. Your, your wonderful, sanctified Sunday school teacher can't repent for you. The preacher can't repent for you. The deacons can't repent for you. A neighbor who loves you so much can't repent for you. Friend, it's your responsibility before God to repent of your sins. Those who aren't trusting in Jesus, anybody in here, if we could, we, we would we would repent for you. We can't do it. Don't have the ability. Never have, never will. It's not going to happen. You are accountable to God before God, and you have to be the one to turn from sin and trust in Jesus Christ. Join us next week for the fifth and final sermon in the Jonah series when life isn't worth living. May the Lord be with you in all that you do this week.